Shippers return to their old ways of detention as carrier compliance increases. For our radio recap, guests discussed actionable data on show four. The Bureau of Labor Statistics cites lack of pay, not drivers, as cause for the driver shortage. The ATA responded by saying that the government driver shortage study got it wrong. Soft covenant transport guidance sparks a sell-off in the truckload stocks. FedEx earnings depressed by slowing global economy and trade fears. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. Redwood Logistics is one of the nation's fastest-growing logistics providers fueled by industry-leading technology and a passionate team of experts. From multimodal brokerage and dedicated truckload to third-party logistics and TMS consulting, implementation, and integration, Redwood Logistics delivers next-generation solutions for its clients and much more than a truckload. You're already having such a great time, aren't you, JP? Uh, we are uh, also visited by Ellis Smith. You know what? It didn't take 59 more episodes. Only the very next one. Filling did did such an outstanding job last time. Great to have you on, man. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> the award-winning. Yeah, the that's, award that's kind of what tripped me up. I was trying to decide where to insert that phrase into my normal life. I'd say three or four times throughout the podcast, you just remind Wait, people, you say... Three or four times in our award-winning podcast? In your award-winning <laughs> podcast, you should just remind people that this podcast is, in fact, award-winning. We, we did win an award. An award, a significant award, as I understand it. I mean, basically, it was one of the top awards that you can get for podcasts, from what I understand. It's basically the the Pulitzer of That's right. great podcasts. Yes, and I, don't I forget the name of it. Stay so. tuned. <laughs> it's, it was, Stay tuned for the name of that award at the um, end of the show. It was so here. important that we don't remember the name of it, but we did win an award. And there's a plaque for that. Um, probably somewhere. Probably a yeah. We, we can we can we can work something on. Yep. And we want to pause and say thank you to our sponsor, Redwood Logistics. Thanks, Redwood. And now we're back. Uh, what, what, one of the things that uh, we are trying to bring to you each and every week is the weekly market playbook. One of the things that we are seeing per the headline uh, is shippers returning to their old ways of detention <laughs> as carrier <laughs> compliance uh, increases. So, guys, what do we make about the Zach Strickland, who wrote the report, is saying you can't blame the shippers if you're in a position of of control. Like, let's not blame them. I mean, anybody. So we're would saying do it's human same. nature, you know. I mean, you're you're in the driver's seat. You've got uh, you've got the carriers wrapped around your little finger, lining up for for freight. Why not? Have them wait out there at the dock for six or seven hours. Why not tell them the bathrooms are, are for employees only? I mean, uh, is that is that his point? No, I think he was saying. Yeah, to some extent. No, I think he was saying like you can't blame them for feeling, you know, for for feeling like the pressure's been taken off of them. You don't you don't hear about shipper of choice anymore anymore because the market's flipped. Unless you're talking about the Shipper of Choice Award that will be announced at Transparency. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean. Well, no. We still think it's important to highlight like shippers who you know, respect drivers' time and, and try to improve you know, um, and, and make their operations more efficient. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's trucks that are looking for freight, not shippers that are looking for trucks. And they know this. And so as um, you know, the rate of 
Tinder rejections has fallen as uh, carriers have complied with their contracts or picking up freight because they know they have fewer options. The shippers have relaxed their operations and we've seen w- average wait times you know, spike across the country. And uh, he also points out that there isn't a lot of visibility. We know that 90% of all the trucks on the road are, are of, of carriers of 20 or fewer trucks. Uh, and, you know, and he and he points out uh, Strickland says that rates are a function. And this is where he gets very he tries to break it down. Rates are a function of capacity and costs. And so if, if there's no visibility or control of any significant share of national capacity, then on the supply side of the equation, carriers can't manage rates consistently, uh, you know, unless there are significant changes on the demand side where, you know, the shippers need more capacity than is available. Right. So, I mean, there is a bit of a pendulum swing. Yeah, oh, it's, I, it's definitely happened. And you, you can really see it. It's these two numbers, uh, OTRI, outbound tender rejection index, and wait, average wait times, uh, are moving, are, you know, are rapidly diverging from each other as one goes down, the other one is, is going up. Um, we should say that the way that, and, you know, the thing about wait times, it's, we probably have like less visibility than we would even like into that. You know, we don't have specific shippers that we can call out. We don't have specific shippers that we can praise. Um, what we have, what our data science team has done is geofence about 200,000 shipper locations in the United States. And we, when, when GPS, GPS is on trucks go in and out of those, we can see how long it takes them Um to get in and out of a yard, and that's what we're basing our wait times on. Now, there was a report by, I believe it was the owner-operators who that did name names. Um, and some of those names, I don't know if we want to do that necessarily, but you can certainly see that report, and uh, and they, 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 it was based on survey data. Um, right. And so, I mean, probably the, it's the ones that, that people expect um, that, are, that are causing folks to wait longer. But what's interesting to me is – you know, if you if you're at a concert and you want to go use the restroom, and there's ten thousand people trying to use the restroom, you got a long line. But what we have in freight is we actually have less freight moving. We have less. Right. We have less stuff. The volume the volume is near a low. I think it, it rebounded a, a, yeah, ever so slightly. It's down year over year. And yet we still have this waiting time issue that's that's getting worse. So it's it's weird how that works. Normally a line or a wait is a function of a demand for that. Yeah, Whereas actual, we pr- like throughput. Correct. Where in this case, we probably have fewer trucks doing fewer loads at fewer distribution centers, and yet you have this this wait time going up, up, up. Yeah, and I think it's just it's just you know who who has the leverage right now, and right now it's it's the shippers. Um, but you know what we I think you know it's our job kind of as business media to call attention to this trend to point out how destructive it is. It's you know, from our perspective, wait time is not something like like spot rates, right? Where spot rates, you know, it's a zero-sum game, right? If they go down, yeah, okay, the carriers lose, but the shippers win. You know, in theory, consumer prices, you know, aren't under pressure, things like that. You know, there's a winner and a loser. With with wait times— Everybody loses. <clears throat> everyone loses. It's, it's simply more inefficient. It drives up costs for carriers. It— pulls capacity out of the market it lets you know it, I mean, drivers don't get paid for long periods of time while yeah. they're sitting there 
doing a job. Yeah, like, and, you know, yards get clogged with trucks. Uh, shippers have to deal with, you know, a lot of, like, frustrated people who are trying to move their goods. Relationships get frayed. And, you know, I think, like, our, our kind of role in this is to point to the trend, to talk about what's happening, and to kind of say to the industry, like, look, we do we really want to get into another one of these cycles where it's just like, okay, now it's my turn to punch you in the face. Okay, you know, next year it's going to be your turn to punch me in the face. Like, or do we want to kind of establish the shared reality, point out exactly what's going on in a data-driven way and let people, you know, incentivize people to build actual productive collaborative relationships. Well said. I almost feel like I've been to church now. That was a nice little sermon. <laughs> I'm inspired. Um, no, but really, of course, that is Ask what we're point. all trying to do. Uh, visibility, transparency. Uh, yes, we want solutions to these things. But you're right. We're calling it like we see it. That is something that's happening right now. Uh, if anybody has any ideas, um, please email the show. And we, <laughs> email the show. Is that just the show at FreightWaves.com? Or what's <laughs> the, the award-winning podcast. The award-winning podcast at FreightWaves.com. Um, we'll set that up. Dude, so tell me about how the radio show went um, last Saturday. The radio show went great last Saturday. We had some uh, some you know really interesting guests. We we talked with uh, Chris Henry of of TCA. We had a, a kind of a actionable data theme in some ways. It was it was fun. I talked to uh, Martin Liu. It's the best kind of data. Of <laughs> data that you can do something with and about right because um, as we all know there is um, so much data out there. It's hard to know what to do with it all. Uh, and well, anyway, but I'm thinking towards what is about to happen. Um, radio show number five coming right up on Saturday from three to five on Road Dog Trucking Cha Sirius XM channel 146. We are going to be talking with Todd Tranusky of FTR. We're going to be talking with um, He's a smart dude, Addison Armstrong, Ooh. our very own on fr about yes. freight futures. Yes. Smart guy. I'll definitely listen to that. We will uh, we'll be talking with uh, Greg Fury of Scopolitis, talking about one of the, um, well, our big deal, little deals, about that California Supreme Court ruling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's good. Yeah. And I'll be talking with uh, Kevin Hill of Carrier List. Nice. Yeah. So cool. it'll, be, it'll be a great episode and looking forward to uh, everyone tuning in and listening. Yeah. And that, that sounds like an awesome lineup. A lot of smart people. Well, it'll be a party. So uh, uh, let's talk about some of the headlines of the week, guys. This is interesting stuff to me. First of all, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS, cites what OIDA has been saying for a long time in this study, that basically if you pay the drivers more, you won't have this driver shortage. Wow. And huh. they, what they an interesting idea. They undermined, <laughs> they undermined this, uh, I know, right? Um, you know, the ATA, I, I think it's since been about 2005, they've really been, and maybe, maybe it's been for decades, but I, I know for, since 2005, they've been tracking, uh, what they're, what, how they're, you know, calling it this driver shortage. Right. And, uh, you know, so BLS is, is, is said. It's kind of interesting that yeah. the Bureau of yeah. Labor Statistics weighed in on this debate, which is almost, it is interesting. it's almost like a political debate in some ways, um, between various lobbying groups. I mean, it is their job to describe reality, right? So that Congress can make informed decisions. But it's 
it's sort of interesting that they took a side. I mean, it, I don't think anyone was surprised, or at least not anyone at Freight Waves. I mean, their lack of pay is so obvious. I mean, if you uh, if you're Walmart and you're willing to pay your drivers ninety thousand dollars a year, you're probably saying what driver shortage, right? I mean, there's people climbing over one another. I had a discussion with a gentleman the other day who said, "No, no, it's not pay. It's uh, uh, we just need to have an algorithm for identifying the right." And I said, "Okay, fine, algorithm, whatever. If you paid the drivers a million dollars a year to come work for you, what do you think the role for the algorithm would be in that?" And he said, "Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's an amount that if you pay a driver or offer to pay a driver, you will have more than enough volunteers to do that work in perpetuity. However, there are." Some barriers to entry, such as we were discussing uh, a day or two ago. Um, you know, you can drive a truck around all around Tennessee on every highway in Tennessee um, and be 18, 19, 20. But unless you are have reached the magical age of 21, you cannot go over the border from Tennessee to Georgia driving a truck. Right. This, is a, yeah, that's this right. is a silly rule that does, in fact reduce the available pool of drivers and it does cause an issue where if i'm 18 and i'm graduating from high school and i'm looking at a career option and maybe i maybe i didn't maybe i didn't graduate from high school but i'm looking at things and i start down a career path and it's not until 21 that i can actually become a driver you probably already have tried to do something else. right i'm already in manufacturing or i'm already maybe i've started a family by then and now i'm not looking at being a truck driver as an option because i've already started down a path if it was available to high school graduates or non-graduates at the age of 18 to become a driver, I think you would see a larger proportion of them choose to take that option. And I do, I do kind of agree with that point because, you know, it's it's pretty indisputable that the average age of the driver is, you know, getting higher, right? So it's like 52-ish. So, you know, that you you want to reduce barriers for young people to, to enter the industry but i mean when do we when do we talk about overcapacity <laughs> well, yeah we don't need any drivers right now clearly i mean right, right, we're right. fine well right. you've They're also you've here. also pointed out jp that you know we you know to just some just to new people coming in you know like well they call it a driver shortage but there's never any you know stuff left on the dock that's not getting taken uh, 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 by one point of view, you know, it's right, like, right. The, like when's the, the last time the there goods, was a food shortage in Kroger? Right, the goods do go through. <laughs> it's not right? hurricane They're, related, or there's some other yeah. barrier, like a physical tree blocking the road <laughs> yeah, or flooding. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but let's deal. Here is a fact, and it's what do we want to do with this fact? There is high turnover. <coughs> there is high turnover, uh, especially for truckload carriers. Yes, as the TL carrier. So this is a fact now and they spend a lot of money trying to replace that turnover it's a high cost expense item for them i think what we have to do is why you know the ata has their perspective and this bls study has its perspective why is there so much turnover grass is always greener on the other side is it just money is it still just the money thing? It's no, it's money, it's respect, it's equip, quality of equipment. Getting home. Getting yeah, there's lots of different reasons why you you would leave one carrier to go work at another carrier across the street. Um, it happens even in like specialized um, segments of the industry, like like oil field services. Like they have crazy turnover because like every if you know, it's it's very easy to once you have a couple of years of experience, if you have like an adequate safety record to 
get a job driving for pretty much anybody. Um, and I think the newest people get the least desirable jobs. And so as long as that happens, and th that makes sense. I mean, obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, if you start off working for Swift, you go through your, you know, four weeks of training, then you're an apprentice driver, then they throw you over the road for a couple of years. Like, that isn't very fun, and you're not getting paid that much. But if you make it through those two years, you can get a, a job with pretty much anybody. Um, and that's just the way it works. And it does seem to be that, it, yeah, competitive, specialized I, I will workforce. Say, I will say that I had a conversation with um, the president of uh, logistics, actually, so the, the asset light side, but uh, Collins White, um, president of logistics at Alabama Motor Express. Um, this is a trucking company that was started by his father. You know, he's been in the business his whole life, and he was talking about how they've been able to really improve their retention. And it, it was a combination of things. It was, it was wages. It was um, culture, change, changing the way people got, got, got home. It was using technology to improve communication between drivers. They use WorkHound, which allows drivers to kind of anonymously or not, you know. Okay. Like, like basically a driver can complain um, anonymously about issues. It'll go up the channel. They can, they can have a problem. And then at a certain point, if – you know, the company is like, oh, you know, we can resolve this. We just need a little bit more information. They can choose to unanonymize it, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but it, it makes people speak a lot more freely. It lets people feel like they have a voice, that they won't be punished for expressing their opinions about their working conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, Collins White said that that's also been a big part of it. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, when we I mean, when we really do try to tackle this subject, you have to hit all of the points of, you know, like yeah. all of the, yeah. it's just simply got to be it's a combination. A, it's a holistic, it's a holistic thing. It's, it's not, I mean. But it does boil down the, the most, the most cited thing on all of the surveys is pay, total compensation. And that's every job. I mean, oh, look, right. you, yeah. look, I mean. Uh, but not every job, take, I guess, has the high turnover. Take fast food. I mean, fast food has 100% plus turnover right. uh, every year. Uh, they're also paid very little. Now, if you yeah. were getting paid uh, $100,000 a year to do French fries, you might think about, you say, well, wait a second. Sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I might stick with it a little bit more. I mean, pay does have a lot to do with it. Um, but I, not everything. Not right? everything. Because I think I think you, you mentioned turnover, and I think we have to draw a distinction between driver shortage, put that in quotes, and then driver turnover. So yep. if – if you there might be a perceived I don't want to make light of that you know it's hard to get drivers yes when you're constantly losing drivers to other companies and you're having to fight over these guys I understand that there's a perceived driver shortage there but to JP's point you know not everybody's experiencing that same level of turnover is that and, fair to say and yes that's true not everyone experiences the same level of turnover it's it's limited to the enterprise over the road carriers right, or at least they bear, they bear the brunt of it the other critique I have of the ATA driver shortage meme is that when you look at the way that they measure the driver shortage in raw number of drivers, like 75,000, right. next year it's going to go up to 85,000, next year it's going to go up to 100,000, then 120,000. Um, I do like that you call it a meme. I want to highlight that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, it's, a, it's a mind virus. <laughs> um, but they, it's never, like the driver shortage is never in reference to freight demand. How can you have a shortage of capacity right. without referring to how much capacity is actually needed? 
Yeah. I, well, and it, and it looks if you look at their charts projecting forward the driver shortage, it's it's an exponential curve upward. Right. <laughs> it's like that's not the way the economic growth in this country looks looks like. It's right. Not, Interesting deductive reasoning. Unless there. they drive smaller and smaller trucks each year <laughs> to move the same amount of freight. I mean, some then, of it has to do with like projected like retirement ages and things like that. I'm sure they would have some responses. But the, the methodology is opaque. Um, that is well said. I think uh, their response to the BL- BLS study uh, was they were pointing out that you know unlike and this is similar to what we just touched on, but the, to their defense. They said, unlike other blue-collar jobs, uh, you know, motor carriers cannot simply hire anyone to do the job. There are many barriers to in- entry. There's age requirements, CDL testing standards, strict drug and alcohol testing, uh, and you know, and, and and maintaining a clean, safe driving record. And I think we're in favor of all the safety and everything. I think I think what I question is the. You know the age requirements. You can drive a, a Humvee around in a war zone, uh, getting shot at and shooting at other people, but you can't drive a, a truck across state lines. But you can drive it through populated areas and neighborhoods and, and past right. schools and I, as long as you stay in the same state. Right, right. But no, no not on a highway. Speaking, by God, that's that's a good I mean, argument. I'm curious what the bills and the legislation that are uh, uh, that are up for that will do this year. But you know, it's interesting. I, I was at the TCA. I was on a panel on driver retention and turnover. And there, there, I was seeing all kinds of data. I think it was Driver IQ had some surveys. And, and they and they were saying, you know, they point they looked at veterans and they looked at women in trucking because those are two other initiatives mm-hmm. besides the age. Speaking of war zones. Uh, yeah. And apparently it does cost a lot more money for a carrier to specifically target these groups. Like with veterans, sure. you have to deal with all kinds of government stuff suddenly, when, whereas you're used to private you know, right. enterprises. Right. And, and so it, it, you have to hire those people who can speak in the government language and can target the places where those veterans are. And apparently it's similar with trying to find the women demographic that only represents still about 6 to 7% of the total uh, truck, trucker population. Um, that's, an, <clears throat> that's really interesting. I mean, and again, going on with the military theme, you, you know, <clears throat> what you just said about how, you know, truck is a tough lifestyle, barriers to injury, safety records, yeah. checking alcohol tests, and yada, yada, yada. Well, think about how many barriers to entry there are to, like, join the military. And yet, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people do it every year. And it pays less than <clears throat> trucking in many cases. And the lifestyle is far worse. Yep. Yeah, somebody's um, screaming at you. You're having to do push-ups for a long time. Then like, you, talk, you go over to a place with no air conditioning well, I mean, bullets flying. But, I mean, you know, talk about, like, not being home, you know, except once once a week, once every yeah, two weeks. Yeah, how about an 18-month tour of duty? Yeah, and so <laughs> – but what they do is they, they offer benefits. They they offer a way to uh, – toward a path toward promotion. They teach you skills that are transferable to other industries. They say, hey, you, you spend four years in the Army – will pay for your college. I mean, there are ways that you can get people to, you know, make sacrifices. Yeah. And uh, so you're suggesting that this is what some enterprise carriers might want to be thinking about. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, maybe a company ideally doesn't want to just hire someone for four years, but if you're looking at 110% turnover um, in your industry, what if you say, Hey, work for us for five years 
will will you know send you to you know whatever Get your we're, certification we're, welding at, school or yeah whatever. community college yeah that's yeah, kind whatever. of the opposite of the bonuses which they uh, many find as a necessary evil. Uh, but that, hey, you know we're solving at least <laughs> the logistics world problems. Fix uh, the here. driver shortage next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next problem. Um, problem solved. Uh, nice, JP. Good stuff. <laughs> well there. done. Hey, That's what why about this, this podcast is award winning. I just want to point out it's <laughs> insights <laughs> like that. We 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 have an award. Um, what about this soft <laughs> covenant guidance sparking a truckload sell off that you? That you uh, wrote about JP. What? What? Why is the sky falling now? Um, it was really interesting. I mean, you know, the truck, uh, the asset-based truckload carriers started off the year telling their investors that they were going to get all these rate increases, that the economy was basically going to be the same this year as it was last year, um, and you know, basically they were still projecting like year-over-year growth, and none of those things turned out to be true, of course. Whoops. And. Covenant Transport, um, Chattanooga's own Covenant Transport, CVTI, was the first uh, carrier really to update, you know, to, to give a first quarter update and say, okay, guys, you know, we're, 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 we're bringing our guidance down. We're going to miss Substantially. I think that nope. it was by a third to two-thirds of what analysts expected they were going to get. And I, and I found interesting that, you know, we're, we're talking lots of global slowdown. We're talking, you know, trade war comes in. But I, I found that, you know, notable was that, you know, they didn't blame the macroeconomic backdrop. You said that No, they, I know. That that was what was fascinating to me, too. They blamed um, – Weather. They blamed <laughs> weather. Is, they actually did. They blamed tariff, dislocate the ha- hangover from tariff pull forward in the fourth quarter. Right, and they which also, I buy. They also blamed For the government sure. shutdown, which – Eh, and, I don't know. But, what's it, you know, I always think about, like, why – yeah, okay, so the excuses that a, a, an officer of a publicly traded company has for underperformance. You know. Headwinds is normally number one on the list. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, it's usually it has something to do with the wind. Um, <laughs> Weather. But, but it's like, why? What, what purpose does it serve for him to use these excuses rather than, you know? And so it's like, if you're trying to protect the value of your stock and the value of your you know, investor's position in in theory, your own position, right? Um, you want to say, hey, this is just a one-time aberration. You know, everything's cool. You know, we'll get back on track in the second quarter. Well, or tariffs want- are one time. The weather's one time. <clears throat> the government shutdown, theoretically, is one time, right? So those are things where you can say, hey, but brighter times are ahead. Right. And so if you're trying to limit the sell-off or if you say, hey, you know, every you know the economy's going to shit and we don't know when – Things are going to like start growing again, or even worse. We've seen people say it was our own operational inefficiencies. We <laughs> screwed up. We pooped the bed, I guess, to to use a PG version of a phrase. Uh, and uh, this is an irreverent podcast. So. All right, so I could say shit the bed. Yeah. Okay, we shit the bed, and really we've learned to. our lesson, and we won't do it again. I but, thought a couple of uh, I don't know where we're going in this direction, but yeah, but, they but could he, have said. I'm just saying that, like, yeah. you don't. What you don't want to say is there are massive macroeconomic structural forces working against our company. Uh, you know, like we're you, probably not going to be a good investment for the next couple of years. We like, might you, be doomed. Like no one ever says that, <laughs> right? Um, well, you pointed out a couple of interesting things in the very article about the spread between uh, wholesale and retail fuel and how margins are yeah. getting minimized for carriers right now. And there's, that, there's, that could be an industry-wide issue. In the, so in the article, I talked about two um, things that you know 
David Parker, the CEO of Covenant, didn't necessarily bring up, but things that we thought were relevant. Um, one of the first factor kind of applies to all truckload carriers in general. The second one applies more toward to, to Covenant. Covenant and yeah. you know CRST. Um, the first one is just basically that fuel surcharges have become far less lucrative for carriers than they were in the past. Carriers buy fuel at, at wholesale prices. They're uh, recompen- you know they're compensated for it at retail prices. When the difference is higher between those, they get this sort of unearned windfall. It's all profit, and th- but that spread has collapsed, um, and that that accounts you know for actually, you know probably six cents a mile in, in just sheer profit. Um, the second the second one, which um, has to do with Covenant's particular business model of having a, a, you know between eight hundred and nine hundred teams, and you know being able to charge a premium, excuse me for expedited freight, um, you know moving. Moving things, you know, in m- basically moving two day length of, lengths of haul in one day. Um, if you look at air cargo prices from Hong Kong to North America, they've kind of fallen off a cliff, um, and that's right. That's seasonal, but also they're kind of like the canary. You know, expedited freight is kind of like the canary in the coal mine for the freight economy. Right. So it's a premium product, so it's going to be the first to rise or fall given macroeconomic. Conditions. Yeah, yeah. So both because people tend to, st- you know, we, we've obviously we, we've we've noticed that uh, household savings went up by a lot in December. People didn't go out and buy the, you know, the flat screen TV or the new Xbox or the the, the whatever the twelve thousand dollar new iPhone is, um, <laughs> and so those kinds of things that that get shipped that get shipped in airplanes, you know, weren't weren't moving as urgently secondly when capacity is loose in general you don't have trouble moving your freight and therefore you move you have, the usual way the cheap way yeah the usual way the cheap way you never get really in a jam where you have to rely on expedited and so we we feel like that um that's col- more particular to covenant yeah covenant and a few other carriers that, that have a lot of team drivers so. but we did see and i took a look at this the next day we saw a pretty broad sell-off yeah across the truckload sector yep. on Wall Street. Uh, I think a lot of people read between the lines, and even though um, maybe it was positioned, and maybe it was accurately positioned this way, I don't know their their business as well as they do, um, as, as some one-time sort of I think the events. Street, I think the street kind of saw through that. Yeah, I think people formed their own judgments, and they said, this there is something bigger going on here. We're going to be in a – some people have called it a truck recession. That might be a little strong. I don't know. We'll see. But just to look at the the drop in value of just about everybody who touches truckload, right. I'd say there's <clears throat> some people have an idea there might be something bigger going on. A contraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a few days later, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell uh, – Revised downward projections for gross domestic product growth in 2019 um, from 2.3 percent to 2.1 percent is obviously you know, bad for everybody, freight included. Uh, industrial activity tends to be pretty, you know, it's still pretty weak. Um, interestingly, oil is doing fine. Um, who knows exactly why? It's, it's kind of it's it's it's, it's John a, Kingston. John, would know you the can ask to John that. Kingston about that. Yeah, I can't wait to on the radio <laughs> on Saturday. We will uh, we will deep dive. Um, one of the most amazing things in talking to to John about oil is the way that if you ask him a question about oil, he can connect it 
to absolutely any subject. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fascinating. All right, see I if mean, you can get him to connect oil and blockchain. That's the challenge. Oh, for this oh, oh, dude, that's, that's easy. easy. Oh, that's easy. easy. Yeah, 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 that's I mean, easy. it's sort of like, you know, the seven, what is it, the seven layers of Kevin from, Bacon? Yeah, five degrees like, of separation. Five degrees of separation. And there, I don't think there's that many with John Kingston and oil. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> it's fast. It really actually, it's like I never would have thought it's fascinating, but it really is. Like, once he gets going um so uh well speaking of global economy and earnings and stuff why don't we talk about the uh memphis-based giant fedex yeah for a minute. and what's interesting about the, so they also uh you know, issued downward you know downward guidance for their earnings and they um, did blame the global economy <laughs> they did they said that they actually said the globe is slowing which sounds <laughs> probably more apocalyptic yeah. than it is i think it's I think, still actually moving Get That's into your bomb shelters now. Stockpile Campbell's yeah. soup and ramen. Right. The, the, the end is nigh. To fly off the... Right. I guess that wouldn't matter, the ramen, if you had no atmosphere. But... <laughs> well, it is It is a pretty big deal. What are their, their fiscal third quarter earnings were down. They've, they've adjusted them downward from $6 billion annual mm, net I revenue this... to four point five. Is that right? Uh, well, this is their projections for projections. fiscal year Thank of 2019. You. Gotcha. About six billion to four point five, so about twenty five percent down. Um, and so, in a sense, the sky is falling. You know, FedEx ground got hurt pretty bad uh, because purchase transportation costs went up a lot faster than the actual yield on their on their the freight they were moving did. Um, it seems like the LTL business did okay. It's the only one. That's the only segment of their business that uh, apparently came out unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, FedEx freight. Yeah, I would just go ahead. I would encourage everybody to check out Mark Solomon's article on FedEx earnings. Yeah, he has a little bit of a different view, which is that uh, maybe it's just FedEx's problem, and they are obfuscating, <coughs> as people often do in earnings. And they're, uh, if you believe, if you want to believe that Covenant uh, blamed one-time things when there may have been other other things in play, well, maybe in this case he posits that FedEx blamed uh, the world. When in fact it was a little virus, um, that is still some hangover from that three hundred, four hundred billion, whatever, among other things, because DHL, UPS, not seeing the same things that FedEx is seeing, according to his article. And another thing that um, you know Fred Smith probably wouldn't like to admit is that their uh, integration of Europe-based TNT Express, which is a freight yes. forwarder and logistics provider, has been tough. Yeah, they just kind of screwed it up. It hasn't really. It's been a drag on the company. It hasn't really worked yet. Um, they're, they're trying to figure that out. Yeah, they just also, for – he said the attack, this virus attack, Petya, I think is how yeah, you pronounce n- it. N- not not Petya. He said it would have cost – he would have bankrupted TNT Express if it were a standalone company at the time. Wow. So basically it yeah. cost them more than the entire – That was bad. Yeah. Um, and may still continue to cost them through 2021, I believe, is the – um, and I, remember, th- I remember last year, Maersk got hit really bad with a, with a, a similar virus right. that, that cost them, I want to say, like $600 million. It was crazy. And like they had to all, rebuild everything. All of their ships lost the ability to communicate with each other or with the shore like for like days. And like they just could like, <laughs> you know, it, it basically f- paralyzed the entire company um, for the better part of a week. And, yeah, it's, I mean – these these uh, cyber attacks are becoming more and more serious, more and more disruptive, and more and more costly. It's kind of I mean I feel like you know 
15 years ago when people were first like seeing like hackers like break uh, like you know click 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 i'm in like like <laughs> it, it was this kind of like a, a hollywood yeah it was like a hollywood like kind of just cliche but now you're seeing like you know, real damage being done Things to, getting to industry to the global economy that, in fact that, i mean that, this is uh, slowing down the I mean, world fedex is a major people are going to look at this and and there's going to be a capital you're going to see capital flee from transport stocks as a result between Covenant and FedEx as a result of the, in part because of this stupid virus. It yeah. wiped out $300 million, which is not that much in the big scheme of things, but it's not that much to FedEx. FedEx is a bellwether. Well, it's the yeah. second straight disappointing quarter for FedEx. And so, of course, I guess the executives are preaching the long view, but uh, Wall Street, of course, has a will have a very different take. Uh, we will see. Stay tuned as we bring to you the headlines each and every week. And without further ado, let's dive into Big Deal, Little Deal. Oh, here we What's are. What's the deal with you, um, JP? Okie dokie. Um... Alan, it's been great to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us again. It's always great to be on an award-winning podcast <laughs> uh, such as this one. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thanks for playing your part, man. <laughs> All right, uh, JP, are we ready? Ready or not, here we come. California Clean Tech Coalition endorses transforming trucking legislative package. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. Uh, California is the principal driver of emission standards in you know U.S. and you know we'll see what happens. <laughs> Orca AI is helping ships navigate safely in congested waters. Big deal or little deal? I think it's a big deal. I think that there are more collisions than people are probably aware of, both in ports and in congested places like the Strait of Malacca. Um, I think this is probably overdue. Experts react on AAR's request for cost-benefit analysis and STB proceedings. Big deal or little deal? Um, sounds like a little deal. Uh, I, I've, I've described the Surface Transportation Board as a particularly anemic regulator of railroads and I don't see much that's going to change that. <laughs> Ouch. Federal Reserve says no rate hikes. 2.1% GDP growth in 2019. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. No rate hikes is good for growth, but uh, they wouldn't be cutting the hikes if growth wasn't already really bad. Supreme Court declines to review California case with possible driver classification impact. Big deal or little deal? I'm going to say little deal. The Supreme Court's decision not to hear the appeal doesn't set a new standard for determining whether an independent driver is an employee and it becomes a state-to-state -state thing. Too simple adds night vision to the mix. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. The new tech sees better than the human eye night and day, rain or shine, in the most challenging driving conditions. Hey, that's a big deal. Court dismisses carrier lawsuit against Rhode Island truck towing. Big deal or little deal? I'm going to say little deal is dismissed on a technicality. The federal judge said it was essentially a state tax and therefore not in its jurisdiction. The ATA is considering what to do next. Truck trailer order is down again in February, but analysts predict another record year. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. There's a hefty backlog of trailers right now. It's the reason for the slowdown, but they expect a resilient market in spite of the economic slowdown. I can even say that slow. And finish in Boom. time. Thank you, production manager Jonathan Smith. Smith. No I was saying it. I was getting to <laughs> no, it. Um, no relation to Ellis Smith. Um, thank you, man. Uh, great to have everybody on. Thanks again to Redwood Logistics. And I just want to thank my mom and dad. And I'd like to thank my wife. Everyone who believed in me. Uh, um, come a yeah, long way. For, for this award. 
one day we'll remember the name of it. Did you guys get to do an acceptance speech or anything, or was there a ceremony? I think that was that was just we what, just did the acceptance. Yeah. Okay, yep. just patting ourselves on well, the congratulations back. Congratulations again. <laughs> All right. Um, well, here is our inconclusive conclusion. See you next week, guys. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the Truck.